seated. Well, we're going to start what I consider one of the funnest series of the years. I always look forward to the Finding God series because ever since I was a first starting in ministry, um, I have done this series where I challenge my church to send me to places in the local community where I will look for God. And oftentimes the church takes that as a game on challenge and they send me to some pretty crazy places. Like they really want to challenge me. Oh, so you think God is everywhere, huh? You think God has a witness everywhere? So they've sent me to like this nightclub where people were dancing in cages in San Angelo. Okay, so San Angelo and then dancing in cages. So just... Remember, that was about as crazy as it got in San Angelo. And um, I actually found God at Graham Central Station. So um, then let's see, what was the craziest New Braunfels did? They sent me to a dive bar called the Hoity Toit that had a, a neon sign that said A-hole section. Like that is the caliber, okay, of what they, they put it in neon. Um, so I looked for God there, and they sent me to a tattoo parlor, too. And that, that might have been, like, the scariest. It was, like, me, the pastor, walking in, and the guy's like, hey, hi, I don't want to be tattooed. I'm just looking for God here. Um, so, but again, I found God there. It was amazing. Um, and then first time ever um, coming here to Spicewood, y'all sent me to my first ever demolition derby last year. Um, so that was awesome. So this year, I, I challenge you again. Give me some new places. We're going to have places for a long time because I have a whole list. Um, but the youth are sending me to a Lake Travis football game. We'll have that in a couple of weeks. I picked the drought because I think it stinks and I need to find God in it somewhere. So I'm doing the drought. Um, and then I let y'all pick Esther's Follies because I just thought that would be a challenge, you know, because that's pretty um, interesting humor and um, exposed tinies and all kinds of stuff. So um, if you don't know Esther's Follies, there is a guy twirling a flower that, wow. Um, so anyway, I'm going to go there and look for God because I know God is there. But um, what I wanted to add this year was a place where God found me. And it was actually in an RV park bathroom. Probably the last place on vacation I would have expected to meet God. But when you look at my own past, maybe I shouldn't be so surprised because for my early years, and I was a Christian from a young age, and when I was younger, the place I most often encountered God was actually the bathroom. That sounds strange until you realize I was living in a single-parent family. We had three kids. They were always yelling and screaming. There was one door in our house with a lock, the bathroom. And so that was the only quiet place that I could go, was into the bathroom when you're taking your shower or getting ready for bed, you lock the door, and my sister's like, ah! I'm like, ha-ha, I got here first. But that is where I was finally quiet enough that God could speak to me, I think, is what was going on. And so I would tell you all that I've heard what I call the voice of God three times in my life, like the actual voice of God, not just a nudge or an encouragement, but God's voice. And twice I was in the bathroom. Once I was in the shower in college, again, quiet space. Um, I was actually praying, but I was talking to God about a totally different subject, and maybe someday I'll tell you about that. Um, and then another time um, when I was brushing my teeth, and God just barged into the bathroom and spoke to me, life-changing. Um, but God met me in this RV park bathroom. Let me tell you, it's been a while since God has met me in the bathroom, okay? That was like the younger me, the older me has her own house, and there are plenty of private, quiet spaces that I don't have to resort to meeting with God in the bathroom anymore. 
Um, so it's been a while since God met me in the bathroom, and I wasn't prepared to meet God in this bathroom especially. Um, I, I had actually been praying every day. Um, some of us pastors are bad when we go on vacation. We, from the church, we're also like vacation from God. I'm getting better. And so I, I was doing my daily quiet time. I was looking for God, actually, in that natural beauty. We were in Yellowstone in an RV. Um, it was me and Kevin's, Kevin and his sister and his brother-in-law, all four adults, two kids, in an RV for eight days, and it was awesome. We loved it. Mostly, it was crazy, it was fun, it was awesome. But the RV parks that we stayed in, my brother-in-law made the reservations, and they, they started out like, I mean, like the first one, it had a keypad where you got into the showers, the lights came on automatically. It was like a country club in that RV park bathroom. I mean, it was awesome. I could easily have found God there, but that's not where God came. And it had a mini golf course. Near the end of the trip, like it started up here, and then it was like, So the, this was the last one we were in. The, in the middle, we were like, this has gotten to be where we're like a parking lot with restrictions. Like, park your car in space number two. Don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. I mean, it was crazy. And so we're at the end. We're on the side of a highway, this huddle of tents and RVs next to this highway on the road between Yellowstone and Billings. And the only reason Dan chose this one is because it was close to the airport. Okay, so when all you've got to recommend you in an RV park is you're close to the airport, not very good. So we're at the end of the line. Um, we pull into our spot, so-called, and um, we look around because a, a lot of the places will at least have a, a bathroom nearby, right? And it's an actual bathroom. It might be primitive, but, you know. We look around, you know what we saw? Porta potty. Lucky us, because it was right across the way from us. And so right about the, I'm like, ew. Right about the time that I'm thinking, ugh, yuck. Um, Leah says, I didn't go to the bathroom. I'm like, not it. And Kevin takes Leah to the bathroom, and he comes back really quick. And my, my husband is very liberal-minded when it comes to restrooms, okay? He will take the kids in a lot of places that I would be like, oh, my gosh, my baby's but he comes back and he's like, nobody go in there. <laughs> he's like, baby, you're going to have to take him up to the girls, the ladies' um, more permanent facility up on the top of the hill. So we track through this huddle of tents and bikers and RVs and everything up to the hill. And Kevin has warned me, he said, I checked out that other bathroom and it's kind of like my old pool locker room when we were kids. Like, and I was like, what does that mean? He's like, it's not so good. <laughs> and so what, what we're talking about is like the doors are the wooden, just a piece of wood with a, you know, a, whatever you call that, the hook and eye. That's the, that's the pot. But there is a potty, okay? You kind of don't want to sit on it because it mm, looks a little gross. There are showers filled with hair and other stuff. And there are sinks which also filled with hair other stuff. So we go in and we go to the bathroom. I'm like, okay, let's all wash our hands really good. Just keep scrubbing. Just keep going. And we, so that was the bathroom. I get them showered up that night. It wasn't much later. They're going to bed. Um, Dan and Diane go take their showers. Kevin go takes his shower. I'm staying with the kids. They come back and I'm going to go take my shower. And I, so I go up and take my shower. I keep my sandals on. Just saying. Taking my shower. This is the shower where you're like, don't let that touch the ground, kids. Don't let that touch the ground. Like, Take it off and put it into the, I mean, you, it was bad. So I'm in the shower, kind of not thinking godly things, and all of a sudden I feel a nudge. 
I feel a holy nudge. And I've started, when I first started feeling God nudging me, I had a hard time telling it was God. But I've started following those things as I've been a Christian longer, and I'm start, I can tell you now if, if there's a nudge, if it's God or if I just ate something weird. And mostly it's, God is like a deeper nudge in my experience. God will often, it's a deeper sense that something needs to happen. Or, um, and it often calls you to a place, God will often call you to a place where you wouldn't ever think to yourself, I'm going to go do that. And so what God nudged me about while I was in this RV park bathroom was my shampoo bottle. I had this $2 bottle of suave shampoo. We had, we had decided, y'all know how much um, it costs to transport luggage, right? Like $500 for one suitcase. And so we decided, when we get up there, we're just going to buy things because I'm not paying $500 to transport $2 of shampoo. So I had bought the shampoo when we got there, and the kids had used it. It was probably about a third empty. We, it was big. Um, and God nudges me about my shampoo bottle. You should give that away. I'm like, God wants me to give away my bottle of half-used shampoo? Like, it's 9 o'clock at night now, y'all. Who am I going to go, like, knock on the door, be like, hi, I have half a bottle of suave shampoo. Would you like it? I mean, like, for who is that a gift to get in their life? So I'm kind of like, okay, God wants me to give away the shampoo. And we had some other things we were thinking about giving away. But we hadn't found anybody. There was this one family nearby and we were like, oh, the family with all the kids in the pop-up camper, but they, like, got out of there. They weren't staying by that roadside, so we didn't have them. And we'd given away the bear spray to the landlord because he probably would see somebody coming in to the park who could use the bear spray or perhaps bears raid that place. Anyway, probably not because they would know not to go there. Um, <coughs> so, they, so I'm like, could I give it to the landlord? And would he like it if I knocked on his door at nine o'clock and was like, oh, I have a bottle of shampoo. Can you give this to someone? He's going to think I'm crazy. So I come out of the shower. I'm drying off. I'm taking my contacts out, brushing my teeth. And I'm, I've set this bottle of shampoo right next to me by the hairy sink just to think about it. Because I know God is telling me I need to give it away. But I don't know who to. So I'm kind of thinking about it, thinking about it. And this lady walks in the door. It's probably 9.15 now. I was like, I wasn't feeling any particular, this is it. But I thought, well, here she is, you know. Maybe this is it because there's a woman here and maybe I could just do this thing for God and just get it over with. And there's part of me that's like, yeah, that's a good idea. And then there's part of me that's like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. That is so embarrassing. That is, you don't do things like that. That is so embarrassing. And so I'm kind of having this battle. I'm listening to her. She's got a little boy with some footy pajamas. He's sitting on a bench behind there brushing his teeth. He's probably about two and a half. And she says, honey, can I borrow some toothpaste? Because mine's out. I guess I need to go to the store. And she's brushing her teeth. And I, I said, speaking of going to the store, I have this bottle of shampoo. We're going home tomorrow on a plane. I can't take it with me. Do you want it? And she looked up at me and looked at the shampoo like it was the most wonderful gift she could have ever gotten. And she said, really? Let me read you a scripture. This is from Matthew 25, starting in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate them as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you are blessed, blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the, from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when do we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When do we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will tell them, I assure you, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. So it turns out that this woman's name was Elaine. And she, um, we introduced ourselves, and she tried to ask me if I was sure I wanted to part with my shampoo. Maybe I could stick it in my bag and get it home. And by this point, I knew she really needed it. And so I said, oh, you know those restrictions. They don't let this kind of stuff go home. It's crazy. You're just going to have to take it, and I hope you can use it. She starts talking, and um, I'm, I'm like, well, maybe that other stuff we wanted to get rid of, like that cooler. You know, coolers don't fit in the overhead compartment, so going to have to get rid of that. And it's brand new. It's big. It's like, well, Elaine, um, we have this cooler, too. Um, we can't fit it in the overhead compartment. Ha, ha. Um, would you like to have it? And she said, my husband was just talking about how something is broken with ours, and yes, we'd love to have that. And while we're talking, she starts to tell me her story. And she says, she keeps telling me something that isn't clicking with me. She says, we live in that tent down the way. We, my family lives in that tent down the way. And she tells me where it is, and I tell her where, oh, we're in that RV site over there. You can come by and pick it up in the morning. We'll have it ready for you. I'll, I'll put your name on it. And she's very grateful. But eventually, she says, we are grateful for anything because we are living in a tent and that's when it hit me. Elaine and her family are not on vacation. They're not on the outskirts of Yellowstone because they're starting a family trip or finishing a family trip. They're living in a tent because they don't have a home. Y'all, I've never met anybody in my everyday life, sometimes as a pastor as we go do outreach, but I've never met anyone who has lost their home, who is living in a tent. And so I kind of talked to her. She was more than willing to talk. She wanted to tell me the story. She, she said, I never thought it would come to this. We moved here when my husband's company transferred him. He's a plumber. And then after a few months, the company went under, and we had just bought a new house. And we got behind on our mortgage, and they foreclosed, and we lost it. She said, he's been looking for work. He's been getting, he got another job. We thought we were going to make it. And then that company went under. She said this week he got another job, but then they told him, he's a licensed plumber, then they told him after he'd taken the job and been working there, well, your license isn't from Wyoming, so we may have to pay you as a technician. And she was about to cry. She said, I don't know what we'll do. These fees are so expensive. We already had to leave one campsite because they charged this much, and, I, and now we're here. She said, it's a good setup. Like, she's making the best of it. She's like, we've got an awning, and we've got this and that, but I never thought my child and my husband and I would be living in a tent. And I said, well, um, 
Elaine, I hope that these things help you. And just please, please come by my campsite in the morning. We're gonna be, we were going to be leaving at 6. I knew she wouldn't be up. And it was by now like past 9.30. Please come by my campsite. I'm going to have this stuff for you. And she said, just thank you so much. So I'm walking back. I zip up my jacket because it's cold, y'all. It was the beginning of August, and it was going to get down to 30 that night. And it's cold, and I'm walking back, and I'm like, wow, God. I had no idea about that shampoo bottle. And I walk into our RV, and we've got a heater, and we've got a bathroom, and we've got a refrigerator, and we can just drive on out of there and go home, and they're stuck in a tent. And I told Kevin, and I told Dan and Diane, we're whispering about it because the kids are asleep, and we just got excited. We were like, you know what? This is not an accident that God put you right there. That's what they said. It's not an accident that God put you there. We need to help. And so we emptied out that cooler. We dried it out, and we started refilling it. We put in soap. We put in all of our paper towels and toilet paper. We put in peanut butter, um, all of our snacks for the plane on the way home. We were like, you know what? We can buy more. So we put in the chocolate bars. We put in the M&Ms. We put in some other things we hadn't eaten. You know, if you leave them outside, you know they're going to be okay. It's cold outside. And um, I put in a wool blanket I had bought. We put in a pot. And um, we all kind of were like, we were looking at each other, and we're like, we could do more. And so... um, it was interesting that on this trip, I hadn't found like one single, I had taken some souvenir money that I'd been saving up. I was like, yeah, my spending money, my blow money, I hadn't found one single thing that I really wanted on that trip. Isn't that interesting? And so I took that money and Kevin, we all combined and we put all of that money into like this makeshift paper envelope and we put it in the chocolate bars just because we didn't know who was going to come across this. We were going to leave it with, we are going to try to get it to her, but we wanted to kind of keep it hidden, because we thought in the park we were in, someone would have run off with it if it was like, in here, money. Um, so we, we packaged that up, and we, we put the cooler in between us. My brother-in-law and I were the more outgoing people, and then um, Kevin and Diane are like, good luck, you know, go do it. And so we put it in between us, and we walk over to where Elaine's site is, and by now it's like 10 o'clock, and um, I was like, okay, Dan, call out. And he goes, Laura, I would do that, but her husband, <laughs> Elaine. <laughs> so I'm, he's like, you're going to have to do it. And I was like, okay, Elaine, <laughs> Elaine. <laughs> so we call a little bit and she doesn't answer. They're already asleep. And we're like, shoot, what do we do? So we took it up to the landlord and we're talking. We're like, you think this is the real deal? I hope this is the real deal. Cause you know, when you, when you give something you always have that, or maybe it's Satan inside of you saying, what if they're just lying to you? What if that's not? And we got it up there to the landlord, and we're like, do you know Elaine and campsite whatever? Oh, yes, she says. It's late. She said, but that's such a sweet family. They've had such a hard time. They work so hard. But imagine with a two-and-a-half-year-old having to live in a tent. We were like, well, we have some leftover supplies we'd like to give them. Can you get it to them? They said, absolutely, we will. And before I had left, um, I put a note in. I want to tell you what the note said because um, I think that's important. But first I want to remind you of something. Um, I didn't expect to meet God there, y'all. That wasn't on my agenda. That wasn't on my plan. But God needed me because God knew that Elaine was going to be coming in next. If it hadn't have been me, it would have been my sister-in-law who was there. I was just there at the right time. And God said, shampoo, because that's what it took to get it started. God wants to meet with us. 
It's not just, a lot of times when I, I think I've been missing it with the Finding God series because it's me looking, you guys, we're looking for God. It's not always like that. So many times God will come into our lives in strange places at strange, inconvenient times and say, hey, I need some help. See that shampoo bottle or see that person over there or something that you have right there that you can share, that you can say, that you can do. And I want us to be open to that nudge. The way we get open to that is we create an openness in our relationship with God. We pray. We pray at the beginning of the day or at the end of the day, and we just say, God, I'm yours. What did I do well today? What, what could I have done better? How could I live more according to what the dream is you have for my life? We read the Bible. We get an idea that God, we realize as we read the Bible, God really loves people who are down on their luck. God really loves people who have screwed up. God really loves sad people. God really loves broken people. And so when we encounter one of those people, we think, oh, this is a person God really loves. I know Elaine is, was about to give up. That, that time in the bathroom was the one time I talked to her. But I could just tell she was so discouraged. She was about to give up. And so God needed to encourage her. I was just the one he chose. Now, a lot of y'all are thinking, well, that's because you're the pastor, right? That happens to pastors. No, I don't think that is true at all. I think all of us are God's people. So all of us are open to being vessels through which God can speak or heal or help someone. It's not just because I'm a pastor. Because even if I'm a pastor and I heard the shampoo thing, I could say that's crazy and not do anything with it. God will speak to you in the similar ways at strange times to help encourage people. And it's the most wonderful thing ever. That was the most wonderful thing about our whole vacation is helping Elaine and her family. And this is part of the reason why. Because though I've never had to live in a tent I know what it's like to not have enough money to buy food. When we were first married, there were weeks where we were like, okay, this is how much we have and we make it. But there was this one week, I will never forget that week, that we had $7 and a whole week left in front of us. And I was pretty good about making do on pasta, peanut butter, and bananas. Bananas were real cheap back then, so we ate a lot of bananas. But I was like, that's not going to buy us very much. And Kevin and I were kind of joking about it, like, well, it's going to be a lean week. You know, we're going to have to dig into the back of the cupboard and... We were just kind of going to figure out something. That was Sunday. And on Monday, I opened our mailbox, and in an envelope was $25. And somebody, and I know it was a student, I know it was another student, we were all poor and starving. Somebody had heard us talking, I know, and they put, for groceries, God loves you. So we had groceries that week. And so when I met Elaine, I knew this is my chance to repay the grocery money, you know, to give back, because I'm in a place now where I can help somebody. And so what I wrote to her is, Elaine, um, I just want you to know I don't think this is a coincidence. When I was, um, Kevin and I have been through this in our marriage, and someone helped us, and we are so glad that we can help you. And I just want you to know someday you're going to be able to do that for somebody else. And I want you to know that God loves you because he hooked us up and don't give up. Love, Laura. I didn't put a last name. I didn't put anything. We'll never get to see Elaine again until heaven. I think I'm going to get to see her in heaven. And then she'll tell me about how life went. Um, but that was the best. That was the best. That was the best souvenir I could have ever bought. It was so worth it. And so my encouragement to you is to realize that God is out there in our world 
And so are you. You're his people. You know him. You love him. And so he needs you when you feel that inside, when you feel that nudge, even if it's weird, to do it. Because there's an Elaine out there who won't know that God still cares if you don't. Let's pray. God, as we, as we are in worship here with you, as we're seeking to know you more, I pray that you would help us to listen, to listen to your voice, to be people whose ears and eyes are open, to know when someone you love needs help, and to hear you telling us what we could do. You'll always tell us what to do. Help us to be the hope for people like Elaine, to be the word of encouragement, to be the healing, to just be the bright light that we know you want to bring into people's lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.